when when the seed of anger in us is touched, and uh, when it becomes uh, manifested on mental consciousness as uh, energy, energy of anger, we have to be aware, to be aware of it right away. We have to produce mindfulness uh, in order to be aware that the energy of anger is coming up. That is the practice of mindfulness of anger. Breathing in, I know I am angry. Breathing out, I know that anger has manifested itself. And you continue to follow your in-breath and out-breath, generating the energy of mindfulness in order to embrace your anger. Or you might like to do walking meditation. Because these uh, kinds of practice can help you to continue to generate the power of mindfulness, another kind of energy that you need in order to recognize the energy of hunger. Breathing in, I know I am angry. Breathing out, I know I have to take good care of my anger. When your house is on fire, the most important thing to do is to go back to your house and try to put down the fire and not to run after the person you believe to be the arsonist. <laughs> This is a recommendation made by the Buddha. <laughs> you go home and you take good care of your anger. And that is why uh, it is uh, recommended that you do not uh, look at the other person. You do not continue to listen to the other person. You have to go home to yourself and begin attempt to take care of your anger. You might like to sit there practicing mindful breathing or you might like to go to uh, the meditation hall because in each home uh, it is possible for us to set up a small room uh, to take refuge every time we don't feel very uh, stable. Or to go out for the practice of uh, mindful work in order to take good care of our anger. And this is uh, the exact uh, recommendations that I would like my friends to follow. And if you follow exactly these proposals, you will be able to deal with your anger and transform it. Don't say anything. Don't do anything in anger. This is a very important that does not mean that you have to suppress the anger. No, you don't suppress the anger. You recognize the anger. You allow it to be. And you embrace it. But you do it uh, with the practice of uh, walk. 
walking, mindful walking, or mindful breathing, you should be alone in these moments. Solitude is uh, the the mirror, the environment you need in this time, difficult time. And this is a, a natural tendency also. Remember, when you suffer so much, you don't want to be with other people, you want to withdraw to be yourself. This is a natural tendency in us. So every time you get angry, uh, uh, follow that uh, natural desire, withdraw to yourself. Practice uh, mindfulness of breathing or walking and take good care of your hand. Not to do anything, not to say anything, and you have to to sign with yourself a treaty. You are determined to do so. It's very important. And then the in 24 hours, within, within 24 hours, you have to let the other person know that you are angry, that you suffer, that you want him to know, to know it. According to this practice, you, you, you could not hide, you should not hide your suffering. Sometimes uh, you are too proud. You say, angry? Why do I have to be angry? But in fact, you are very angry. It's like the people who are drunk. Drunk? I am drunk. <laughs> so, uh, if possible, you tell him, you tell her, but with a condition, using calm speech, loving speech, in order to tell him. And you have to do it uh, before the deadline, 24 hours, because it's, it's not healthy to, to maintain your anger more than 24 hours. And if uh, by that time you don't feel calm enough in order to tell him, or tell her, you use a piece of paper, we call it a piece note, and you write it down. There are only three small lines. The first line is like this. I am angry, I suffer, and I want you to know it. That's the first line. This is very light. This is a simple. And since uh, your common commitment with the other person is deep, you have the right and the duty to tell him or her that you suffer. It's not only your right, but your duty. Because you have a promise to share everything with him or with her. The second one, you right. It means I am trying my best in the practice that I have learned. 
from the Buddha, from my teacher. So that will inspire respect from the other person. And you have to be practicing really mindful breathing, mindful walking, embracing your anger, and look deeply into the nature of your anger. By doing so, you might discover that uh, uh, your anger has no foundation. That your anger is based on a wrong perception. And you can get out of that anger easily. And you could tell him that uh, sorry very soon, that sorry uh, that is the wrong perception on my part. But if uh, the other person plays a certain role in making you suffer, and then you will have to practice uh, looking deeply in order to understand why did he, has he done it? There must be a reason. And some reason, maybe the reason is from us. He has said that, he has done that, because he, he maybe may have been irritated because what, uh, about something I, I had told him, or I, I had done. So the practice of looking deeply is to find out our part of responsibility also. First of all, the practice of deep looking can reveal, may reveal to you that uh, it is a wrong perception on your part that has created your misery. It may be that uh, you have been responsible for, for this anger to some extent. You can see your part of responsibility. You have uh, reacted, you have uh, said, you have done something that uh, make him or make her uh, reacted strongly against you and make you suffer. The third, uh, the third kind of uh, insight you may get is that uh, the other person uh, is victim of wrong perception. He might be, she might be a victim of wrong perception. And if she or he is a victim of wrong perception, well, it is not punishing him that will help him, but, will, but to show him that he had a wrong perception, that is the loving way of supporting him, of uh, helping him to get out of his uh, suffering or his anger. Or if uh, you practice looking more deeply, you may see that uh, this is a, a happy energy that he has received uh, while he was uh, a little boy or a little girl, and it was stronger than him. And when we begin to understand like that, anger subsides within us. So first of all, generate the energy of mindfulness. Secondly, recognize anger. Embrace anger. And thirdly, looking into the nature of your anger in order for the insight to come. 
So during the time you practice uh, mindful breathing, mindful walking, uh, you practice these kind of things. That is meditation. Stopping, calming, concentration, concentrating, and looking deeply. So you wrote, you write to him the first line. Darling, I suffer. I'm angry. And I want you to know it. To know it. The second line, I am doing my best. It means I am trying to practice according to the instructions I received from my teacher. And if you You want to, to do better, you add a third sentence. Please help me. Because you get, you, when you get hurt, you want to show that you don't need him. You want to prove that uh, you don't need him. That is why the third line is very important. It will appease a lot of your anger. And that is really the language of love. Love is possible. It's still possible with anger still in you as a woman. Why? Why love is still possible uh, with anger still existing? Because anger is there, but something else is also there. That is your mindfulness. Your mindfulness is capable of everything. Recognizing your anger, embracing your anger, looking deeply into your anger, and using your speech in order to convey your feeling to the other person. The other person might be your father, maybe your son, your daughter. The other person might be your partner. And we do exactly the same. Please remember the three sentences. And next time when you get angry, Please go and you see. The first line, darling, I suffer, I'm angry, I'm so angry, and I want you to know this. This is all already love. Second line, I am doing my best. It means uh, please do your best too. Just to And third, uh, please help me. I think there will be a change of attitude in the other person after he receives uh, receive, uh, the message. Make sure that the sheet of paper um, gets to him. And after you have handed him this little piece of paper, you can already feel like that. And if uh, the other person asks for a discussion, uh, don't accept right away. You say, uh, I need some time to, to practice and to look more deeply into the matter. 
Because when you are too angry, and if you engage in the discussion, your anger may take over and push you to say things that you will regret later. That is why you have to practice. And when uh, you may propose a Friday evening for a meeting, because if you can solve the problem by Friday evening, you have uh, the weekend uh, for your pleasure. <laughs> and uh, usually, uh, this is not a discussion. This is a, an opportunity for the person who suffers to express himself or herself. And the other person only listen, no answer. This is the practice. Because uh, this is a, a very deep practice that we have to train ourselves to do. That is the practice of deep listening and the practice of uh, loving speech. You are expected to tell the other person everything you feel with only one condition. Use, using uh, calm and loving speech. You can tell him, you can tell him all of your suffering. But in the kind of language that can help him to receive and understand. Otherwise, you say, uh, excuse me, uh, this Friday evening, uh, I'm not ready. Please allow me a few more days for the practice. Make sure that when you have a chance to pour your heart out, you can do it uh, with all serenity. This is a real thing. And the other person has to practice uh, deep listening, compassionate listening. Compassionate listening is to listen in order to give the other person a chance to express herself, himself. And that will result in a great relief from him or from her. So listening here is not listening in order to, uh, to judge, to criticize, to analyze, but just for the sake of listening. Listening here is to give the other person a chance to speak out. And therefore, you have to train yourself in order to do so. In the Buddhist uh, circle, we uh, bow, we used to bow to the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara because that is a person who has uh, the capacity of listening with compassion. Quan Chi Yin, 
ความท่า is the name of the Bodhisattva it means uh, listening to the suffering of the world and because you have compassion within yourself you can sit very still and you listen to everything the other person says even if he says very wrong uh, wrong things even if he is very angry if he uh, condemns you and judges you unjustly you are still capable of listening deeply and with compassion because you know listening like this is to help him to help her to get a relief psychotherapists are supposed to learn the art of compassionate listening they used to call that kind of listening emphatic listening I don't know how our friends, the therapists, uh, practice. How deep, how successful they practice in the art of uh, deep listening. But this is a really the fundamental practice. They have to be able to sit there and listen. And while listening, they have to maintain their compassion alive. Because if you listen to a person like that for one hour, you really relieve a lot of pain and suffering from him or from her. Many psychotherapists I know, they cannot listen very deeply because within themselves there are still a lot of pain and sorrow. And when they listen like that, they may get lost in their own suffering. And, so on. and the effect of listening is not, is not great. You have to be very mindful, very concentrated. You have to grab a lot of energy and compassion in you in order, in order to listen in the style of Avalokiteshvara. And if you can listen like that, the other people, you have a chance. The other person will feel whether you are really listening or not. You cannot pretend to be listening. You cannot pretend. The other person will know. <coughs> this is uh, someone, something that we, all of us, therapists and non-therapists, we have to do to train ourselves. You are not a therapist, but if you, if you know the art of compassionate listening, and if you can listen to the person you love, and you become the best therapist in the world for him, for her. And you are motivated by love, by the desire to make him suffer That is why you sit there, concentrated, mindful, and, and maintain your compassion and reason. In the talk, there may be a lot of bitterness, of condemnation, of unjust, uh, injustice. 
and yet you are still capable of uh, listening because it is possible possible for you to maintain that uh, awareness alive. I listen like this just for one purpose, to give him a chance to speak out. This is a very important practice. And if you bow to the Bodhisattva one year, and if you chant her name, that means you want to practice her practice. The practice of deep listening, the practice of compassionate listening. It is like the practice of uh, loving speech. Mindfulness is the energy behind. If you do not have the energy of mindfulness, and then your listening will not be deep listening, your speaking will not be uh, loving speech. That is why cultivating the energy of mindfulness is the basic thing. in the practice of meditation. And in a retreat, uh, you stay in a practice center for three weeks, or five weeks, or three months, is to, to learn, is to train yourself in the art of uh, mindful listening, compassionate listening, deep listening, and also using uh, knowledge speech mindful speech because if you can speak mindfully you can believe you can uh, bring a lot of joy and relief to the other people but with uh, unmindful speech you can create a lot of suffering and bring a lot of despair and uh, complex to the person you talk to and we know that the essence uh, that animates your practice of uh, deep listening and uh, the practice of uh, uh, loving speech is the energy of mindfulness. That is why mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, mindful doing the daily things uh, are very essential for the generation of this uh, energy. If uh, communication has become impossible, if communication has become uh, difficult, you know that uh, only mindful, uh, deep listening and loving speech can respond. Nowadays we see families where father cannot talk to mother, son cannot talk to mother or father, because everyone is full of anger and suffering. Everyone has lost his or her power, her capacity listen and to use love and speech. I cannot listen to you because uh, 
your language is full of bitterness and anger make you make me suffer so much that is why I have the tendency to run away from you and if I try to avoid you and you think that I am trying to work on you and you become more angry and that's fair in fact I don't want to work on you but uh, I have lost my capacity of compassionate listening because listening to you in a few minutes I become mad myself I become uh, I suffer a lot myself that is why I try to avoid you that is the feeling of uh, the son towards his father that is uh, uh, the feeling of uh, a wife uh, vis-a-vis uh, her husband and vice versa the fact is that we have lost many of us have lost our capacity of uh, listening to each other and to communicate uh, with each other very much we live in a time when uh, techniques of communication are very sophisticated we need no time at all to transmit uh, information from this end of the planet to the other end of the planet we have fax, we have email we have everything and yet among us communication has become so difficult even impossible that is why all of us should train ourselves in order to be able to communicate again if communication is still possible things are not so bad restore communication is our practice and uh, therapists as well as others people have to to train themselves in this art and transmit the art of communication to the people who want to who want to help A retreat may help us to train ourselves in using loving speech and looking deeply. Looking deeply, I realize that the other person has made me suffer. But uh, I also know that I have played a part in making his uh, suffering, making him suffer, suffer. Usually, we don't see our part of responsibility. We think of ourselves as the victim of the other person. But the responsibility is never on the side of one person alone. We have not been mindful enough. We have not been uh, skillful enough. We have also uh, made mistakes. We have to recognize them. Of course, the other person out of anger, hatred, has uh, made our life uh, miserable. But what, but what have we done in order to help the other person? Because the other person is deeply uh, uh, 
when I first uh, when when we first uh, begin to live with uh, the other person, he was not like that. He was fresh. He was smiling. He was using love and speech that makes us very happy. But how come that uh, he has been transformed to such a difficult person? <laughs> His speech is now full of bitterness and anger. That is because of him, of society. Yes, maybe. But it has uh, been like that because, partly because of us. We have not been able to take good care of our flower. And that is why our flower has turned into a piece of rubbish. Now it is our practice to turn rubbish back into the flower again. And the practice of deep listening, loving speech is very important. After a few days of practice, of looking deeply, you see your power of responsibility in it. You go home, you come back to him, calm, serene, mindful, with compassion within yourself, compassion for yourself and compassion for him. You sit close to him and you say, my husband, I know you have suffered a lot during the past many years. I have seen it. And that does make uh, me suffer also. I know that I have been, I have not been skillful. Out of uh, forgetfulness, out of uh, skillfulness, you suffer. I did not take care. I have not taken good care of you. And I now realize. So please allow me a chance to begin anew. Please tell me what is in your heart. Your suffering. Your confusion. Because I have learned how to listen to you. If you want to help me, please tell me what is in your heart. I'm really, I'm ready to learn. Because my intention, my deep intention is to, to, to make you happy. To help you to stop uh, suffering. When you are able to use that kind of language, you will be able to open the door of his heart. Train yourself so that you can speak that kind of language. Because a, a few days of practice can, can result in such a capacity. Because uh, when you are awakened, when you are enlightened about uh, the situation, and you have the capacity 
of doing the things that uh, never before you thought you can do. Speaking with love, speaking with uh, loving kindness, and recognizing our own mistakes. You don't get hurt at all. You do it with love from love. And he might begin to cry because in the last many years you have not talked to him that way at all. He may cry like an infant. And in that case you have to sit very still in order to listen. My dear husband, please help me. Please tell me what is your heart. I really want to know. I know I have made mistakes. If you don't help me, how can I overcome this? And then he will begin to tell you. There will be time, there will, there will be time when he, he was shocked. shocked. He, could not, uh, he could not continue and you have to sit very still. And you say, you may say if you would, you may say, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you suffered that much. I have uh, myself sit in a uh, meeting where the person concerned could not say a word. It was five or six uh, months. And they sit and ready to listen to the other person. But the other person, although uh, he knows that this is a, a golden opportunity for him to tell the suffering within his heart, but he couldn't because of shocking. The pain is so intense. And sometimes we have to, to sit there and let him wait down for 15 or 20 minutes in order for him to be able to say another word. You need a lot of compassion and patience for deep listening. And if uh, you can help the other person speak out, that would be very healing and transforming. So if we are determined to use loving speech, if we are determined to use a deep listening, we'll be able to uh, restore communication and to transform the situation in the direction we want. Uh, a song I wrote. 
that you might like to use in order to lullaby the blocks of sorrow and pain in you. Your sorrow, your pain, they are there, maybe sleeping. And when they sleep, you feel that you can survive. But if uh, they begin to emerge, you you are afraid that you cannot handle them. If uh, the blocks of pain and sorrow accept to sleep quietly, and then ego have an opportunity to practice, to water the positive seeds, to plant uh, new wood seeds, and. We know that there are times when our sorrow and our pain they accept to to sleep quietly. And therefore we have to be smart. We have to use these opportunities to to practice. To increase the positive energy in us so that when they emerge, we'll be able to embrace and handle them. This song I, I wrote in Vietnamese, but I give you the English uh, uh, translation so that you know what it is in it. You might like to write your own song to sing to your pain your song. It rains softly outside. And yet I feel the sadness and the sorrow coming up in me. Please go to sleep, my little pain, and let my in-breath and out-breath embrace you tenderly. I know you are there, and I do my best to take good care of you. You know, I'm trying to plant and water the seeds of uh, harmony and loving kindness every day. So that tomorrow from the soil of my consciousness, flowers of peace and joy and forgiveness will bloom for everyone. Please go to sleep, my little nuts, my little pain. With this practice, there will certainly be a transformation and tomorrow we'll be able to accept and love each other. The blocks of pain and sorrow, anger and despair, they are here. They may be sleeping in the depth of our store consciousness. And uh, we feel that we can survive if uh, 
they accept to to sleep there but they don't want to sleep there forever they want to emerge and you have uh, had the experience uh, of suffering every time they emerge you are afraid that uh, they will come up again and that you will not be able to handle it you'll be overwhelmed by, overwhelmed by it and there is a fear and fear is also one of them uh, many of us do not know how to uh, how to handle them every time they manifest themselves here and that is why we try we try to blockade We try to prevent them from coming up with the techniques of uh, occupying the mind consciousness. This is uh, the basement of the house. This is the living room. Our policy is to occupy the living room so that uh, these unwanted guests have no chance to come up. Whenever we have uh, we have uh, time to be alone. We used to practice that kind of policy. If we remain of uh, doing nothing, and then uh, these kind of uh, we call it uh, internal formations. The Sanskrit word is a samyojana. Samyojanas are not only uh, the pain, the sorrow, the despair, but also the uh, the uh, uh, the cravings the cravings in us. The cravings once manifested in here, we will not be in peace. We have to run and to, uh, to seek ways in order to satisfy it. Someone addicted to drugs has a samyojana here. And uh, the time when the samyojana of drugs manifest, he will suffer a lot body and mind at the same time. And our usual practice is to invite other guests to come and occupy the living room. Like uh, we turn the television on, or we pick up the telephone to talk. It does not matter who we talk to, but we, we got to talk. We have to pick up a novel to read, even if the novel is not very interesting. There are many channels of television, and sometimes we find that no program is interesting at all. And the program we are viewing is not interesting. And yet we do not have the courage 
to turn off the television because we are afraid. If we turn off the television, we have to go back to ourselves and something down there will emerge. Or we might like to take our car and to go somewhere. The destination is not important. What is important is that we keep busy. And many of us uh, become uh, workaholic, not because uh, of uh, the desire to produce more or to, uh, but uh, because we are afraid of uh, staying there, not doing anything. And therefore, our daily practice is to avoid ourselves. And that is why we invite in our, into our living room uh, the kind of guest um, that we want to uh, keep there for a long time. And the purpose, the only purpose, is to prevent these, uh, these blocks of pain and suffering to come up. What happens when you practice this kind of policy? Because uh, the guest we invi invite to settle in our living room may be uh, helping the blocks of sorrow and pain here to grow bigger. If we look deeply into the nature of a television program, we may see that uh, the element of uh, craving, the element of uh, fear, the element of uh, uh, uncertainty, the element of uh, violence, of discrimination, of hatred, uh, are contained within the television program. And why we entertain that guest, the TV program, we are helping these uh, negative uh, samyojanas in us to grow. We continue to intoxicate our star consciousness, and we don't know. We allow our children to intoxicate themselves every day. We allow ourselves to intoxicate ourselves every day, and we make the situation more and more difficult to us because of that policy of uh, running away. Of course, there are good television programs. And uh, we say nothing against these uh, beneficial uh, programs. But uh, most of the programs are not like that and they water the negative seeds in us, the seeds of uh, craving, the seeds of despair. Remember, there were times when you talk to a friend, just a conversation, and after one hour of talking to her or to him, you, feel, you felt paralyzed because there's so much despair, so much suffering, so much bitterness in her conversation. We absorb so much toxins in just one hour of talking. 
and we could not even eat our lunch. So the so-called uh, so cultural items that we consume every day, many of them contain toxins within them, and we continue to, to consume them every day and to ingest a lot of toxins into the depth of our store consciousness. And the situation becomes more and more serious every day. That is why mindful consumption is a very important practice. Before you consume something, ask yourself whether this uh, has toxins in it. Whether you are going to absorb toxins into your body or into your consciousness. And it would be a good thing that the family around the table uh, practice collective uh, mindfulness uh, meditation to see whether the food that is uh, that are left on the table they contain toxins for our body. And when the, we view a TV, television program and when we are about to read a novel, uh, we should be mindful to ask the question whether this uh, control product can bring into our consciousness uh, a lot of toxins. Fear, hatred, discrimination, violence, despair are everywhere and they can be identified in many items that we consume every day. The fifth of the mindfulness training is about mindful consumption. If we want really to a way out, if we really want to protect ourselves and our family, now children, the collective uh, body and consciousness of our family and society, the practice of mindful consumption is very essential. We have to practice as individuals, we have to practice as families, and we have to practice as nations. And the Congress has to be aware of this because a whole nation may be intoxicating herself. And in the name of freedom, we allow the whole nation to be intoxicated. We allow uh, our children, the young generation, to be intoxicated. We allow ourselves to be intoxicated every day. On every package of cigarette in this country, there is a, an inscription, beware, smoking might be hazardous to your health. This is a victory of mindfulness. Mindfulness has become the law. <laughs> mindfulness uh, got into legislation. And uh, we are thankful for those who come before us, who got the enlightenment about the, the danger of uh, the nicotine, and who have worked very hard collectively in order to bring about uh, the new awareness, mindfulness of consumption. 
and that is a big success. It is delight for us today to sit in a non-smoking flight, national and international. Fifteen years uh, before, we could not dream of that. This is a step forward in the practice of mindfulness. In America, our friends are much more aware of the quality of food they eat. Health food has become a slogan. And we are much more aware of the, the content, the, the quality of our food. This is uh, the progress of mindfulness. The younger generation consume much less meat than 10 years ago. And we can find tofu in every, every supermarket. That is uh, remarkable. And if there were no, pe- no pe- people who are enlightened and who continue to work for this transformation, how could we inherit that kind of uh, result? And we should do the same with other, in, other, uh, in other domains, like uh, alcohol. You should try another f- in the future on every bottle of alcohol. There must be the same kind of sentence. Be aware, drinking might break up your family, destroy your life. <laughs> and uh, cause a lot of accidents on the streets. In the state of Texas, last year, 53% of uh, the death resulted by car accident are related to alcohol. 53%. That's too much. And if you can do it for, for, for tobacco, why don't, why can't you do it for, for alcohol? Because alcohol has destroyed so much of our society. It has broken up many families and children growing up in these uh, families, they look like hungry ghosts. And then uh, alcoholism has destroyed much of our society, caused so much death. The number of American soldiers killed in Vietnam in 10 years was 55,000 people. And the the number of people died because of accident in one year alone in America is exactly the same, 55. There is another war, a Vietnam war, uh, every year here. And every, every time a person dies because of a car accident, there are war veterans. The people uh, who lost a father, who lost a mother, who lost a son or a daughter. The suffering is enormous. And that is why mindful consumption is very important. 
And that is why it's very important that we take up the five mindfulness trainings, receive them and live accordingly in order to protect our body, our consciousness, and the collective body and consciousness of our, of our family and our society. The five mindfulness trainings are the most concrete practice of mindfulness. Mindful consumption helps us to become more careful in inviting these guests into our living room because uh, the longer they stay here, the stronger the seeds uh, in the store consciousness will become. And that is the first uh, inconvenience, the first danger of the practice of uh, uh, the blockade. The second danger is that uh, if you continue to blockade like that, you will cause a situation of bad circulation in your psyche. Because mental formations, they have to be able to circulate freely. It is in our blood. If our blood does not circulate well within our body, it will result in many kinds of disease. If the blood does not circulate well in the mini vein in our head, we have a headache. So that is why we try to do massage, to take the kind of medicine that can uh, accelerate uh, the circulation of the blood. And every time we have uh, pains in our body, uh, we do acupressure, we do massage in order to, to help the blood to circulate better and the pain will be less. And that is why it's so important for the blood in us to circulate freely and well. The same thing is true with our psyche. If you practice the policy of blockade and then you prevent that free circulation and it will be resulted in mental illness. Many of us, because we are afraid, too afraid of the blocks of pain in us, try to suppress, to suppress them. And a few years later, we begin to see symptoms of depression, of fear, of panic, many symptoms of mental illness. And when we have symptoms like that, we go to the doctor, we try to get pills, medicines, drugs, but that is not what we really need. What we really need is to allow the elements of our psyche to freely circulate. Therefore, it is very essential to remove the blockade and to allow these things to emerge when they need to emerge. But you are afraid. You are not capable of handling them. 
they will overwhelm you and you may you may suffer so much that you are tempted to commit suicide because you think that suicide is uh, the only way to stop the suffering but according to the Buddha and many of the practitioners it is very possible that you generate the energy of mindfulness the second kind of energy that you need in these moments in order to embrace recognize and transform the first uh, the first kind of energy Yesterday I spoke about anger and the practice of uh, embracing anger, embracing anger, recognizing anger, taking good care of anger, and look deeply to the anger, into the anger. But every kind of afflictions in us, including despair, fear, depression, could be handled in exactly the same way. You allow itself to be there. You recognize it, you take care of it. And for this, uh, for this energy, to be enough to serve the purpose, you have to practice. You practice mindful walking. You practice mindful breathing. You practice living alone and doing things quietly alone, mindfully. And the seed of, in, of mindfulness in you become important. And every time you need it, you just begin to practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, and you have enough of that energy in order to take care of the other kind of energy. It's like the mother taking care of the baby. Because uh, mindfulness is you, but anger or fear is also you. The practice is not fighting. The practice is taking care. When the mother hears the baby cry, the mother left, leaves the kitchen and when he goes into the baby's room and picks the baby up and embraces the baby in her arms. We practice the same. Every time a baby manifests and cries, we have to be present. Darling, I'm here for you. I take good care of you. But the mother has to be there. It means mindfulness has to be there. That is a time of solitude. That is a time of uh, uh, practice. And it uh, needs a little bit of training. In the beginning, the mother does not know what is wrong with the baby yet. 
But the act of embracing the baby alone is already very helpful. The baby gets a relief right away because the mother is made of energy of the energy of uh, caring and loving kindness. So the baby feels that energy, the mother energy, penetrating into its body, and the baby gets a relief. It is the same here. When mindfulness is there, embracing our pain, it does not know yet what is the true nature of the pain. But the fact that it embraces the pain is already very important because you can get already some relief. The energy of mindfulness begins to penetrate into the other zone of energy. It is like the sunshine penetrating a flower. In the morning, the, the flower is still not open yet. But the sun is already there, sending the light to the flower. The sunshine, the sunlight, is not um, satisfied with or going around the flower. The sunshine is made of a little particle called photon. And these photons try to penetrate into the flower. And if the sunshine continues to penetrate into the flower like that for one hour, two hours, the flower will open herself and show the inside of it to the sun. So in the beginning, mindfulness is practicing, is embracing the pain. Mindfulness has not known what is truly the nature of the pain, but the energy of mindfulness already begins to penetrate into, into the pain, and that brings a relief. And if mindfulness continues, like the sunshine, there will be a breakthrough. And sometimes the flower has to open herself to show the true face inside. The block of pain also, if continued to be embraced by mindfulness, will reveal its true nature. That is the practice of looking deeply. Because meditation is made of two aspects, calming, Stopping, concentrating, relieving is the first aspect. And the second aspect is looking deeply. This is the first aspect of uh, uh, meditation, the first element of meditation. It means stopping. This is a Chinese. If you go to China, you see on the street many sign like that, it means your car has to stop. Exactly, it was exactly the same word in Buddhist uh, literature. Uh, the Sanskrit word is uh, shamatha. And it means several things, stopping, uh, embracing, Coming, 
concentrating. The practice of shamatha is very helpful. Whether it is our body or a feeling, we have to practice uh, taking good care of it when it suffers. We can bring a relief. We become mindful of it. We embrace it. We bring about a relief. And then we uh, we begin to look deeply into it. That is uh, vipassana. Which means looking deeply. In order to get the insight you need. Because that insight will be the factor that will liberate you from your suffering. That is why uh, the practice of looking deeply is called uh, uh, sometimes uh, the, the practice uh, uh, of insight, uh, insight meditation. Insight meditation means uh, the meditation of looking deeply. But in order to be able to look deeply, you have to stop, to embrace, to calm, and to concentrate. The mother, after having embrace the, bar, the baby for a few minutes, find out what is wrong with the baby. The may, baby may be hungry, the baby may have a, a little fever, or the diaper is a little bit too tight. And if the insight comes, the mother will be able to fix, to change the situation very quickly. So the purpose of uh, the function of mindfulness is to do that for the block of pain that manifests itself. And the fact that you can recognize it and embrace it alone is already very helpful. Even if you don't have time and occasion to practice looking deeply, the fact that you are capable to recognize, to greet, to acknowledge, that your pain is there is very helpful. And every time you can uh, say hello to it, embrace it, recognize it, it will stay sometime here and it will go back as being a seed again. That is a ceasefire, the time for a ceasefire. But if you know how to use mindfulness in order to embrace and to recognize uh, the source of pain in you, that source of pain will lose of, uh, some of its strength while going back to itself. The phenomenon of uh, discharge. We have a fear in us. We are fearful to face our fear. That is why the Buddha always advised the monks and the nuns to invite their fear up every day and to say hello to it. That is the practice of five uh, 
awarenesses. If you are a monk, you are, you are uh, supposed to do it every day. I am of the nature to grow old. I cannot escape old age. Everyone has a secret fear of growing old. And we don't want to think about it. The Buddha said, don't be afraid, bring it up and smile to it. I am of the nature to die. I cannot escape dying. I am the nature to get sick. I cannot escape sickness. All the people and everything I love and cherish today, I will have to abandon them one day. I cannot bring them with me. They are very hard facts that, that you don't want to think about it. But the Buddha advised you to bravely confront the reality. Bring it, bring them up from the bottom of your soul consciousness. Look at it, smile to it. And the last awareness is when I die, I will not bring, I will not be able to bring anything with me except my action and the fruit of my action. What I have done, what I have said, what I have thought, constitute my action, my karma. I cannot bring along with me anything except the result of my action. And you have to remind yourself of this and to smile to the hard fact that you that, that you are subjected to old age, to death, to disease, to sickness, to uh, uh, to have to say goodbye to the person you love the most, to the things you cherish the most in this life, and to accept the fact that the only thing you can bring with you is your own karma, your own action. Perform in your day, your your, your lifetime. So the Buddha was aware that uh, we should not be afraid of the blocks of fear and craving and despair in us. And he advised us to invite them up, to look directly at them, to smile to them. Why? Because every time we greet them like that, they will lose some, some of its strength and go back a little bit weaker. And if you allow these blocks to come up like this, you'll be able to greet all of them, to say hello to all of them. You embrace them for some time. And, and uh, after that, they go down, go back again in the form of uh, bijas. And if you are able to do it once, namely to say hello, to recognize the embrace at once, then you have confidence. I'm not, I'm no longer afraid. The next time it comes up, I will do the same thing. 
embracing, recognizing, smile to it. And you lose a lot of your fear. And the third advantage is that you restore the situation of good circulation of your psyche. And a few weeks later, the symptoms of your mental illness will begin to disappear. And we can do this alone. Or we can do it with the support of a therapist, with a Dharma brother, a Dharma sister. If the other person is still afraid, we say, don't be afraid. I have enough uh, energy of mindfulness to support you. Just sit close to me and we invite it to come up. And we be able to embrace it together and to recognize it together. And that is why we need in the process of therapy, uh, people who have a strong practice, who have a strong energies of mindfulness. They are very helpful. And that is why we need badly a Sangha for the work of healing and transformation. We are now on the thir- 13th. <coughs> Whether it is a seed or a formation, It has the nature of interpenetration and interbeing. One is produced by all, and all is dependent on one. We know that uh, a seed can be transformed into a formation. A formation can produce another formation. A formation can uh, produce a seed, and a seed can also produce another seed. But all these seeds and formations have the nature of interpenetration and interbeing. These are two keywords. Interpenetration means uh, in in the one, you see the all. When you look into a flower deeply, you see the whole cosmos in the heart of a flower. You see the cloud, you see the sunshine, you see the rain, you see the earth, you see the minerals, you see the gardener, you see time, space, you see everything. The one containing the all. That is the teaching of the Avatamsaka Sutra. The deepest teaching of uh, interconnectedness in Buddhism is uh, 
is uh, exposed by uh, is uh, presented by uh, the Avatamsaka Sutra. The Sutra on the decoration of the Buddha by flowers. So interpenetration, it means that uh, everything penetrates into everything else. This idea, this notion is an, on, also existing in Christianity. The Father is in me, and I am in you, and you are also in me. The same teaching. The British uh, nuclear scientist, uh, David Bohm, he proposed uh, the term, uh, the explicate order, and the term, uh, the implicate order. In the explicate order, everything exists outside of everything else. Arabic exists uh, outside of the rose. The table exists outside of the forest. You exist outside of me, and so on. The explicate order. That is when you don't look very deeply. But when you practice uh, looking more deeply into the nature of each uh, so-called uh, elementary particle, you begin to see differently. The notion that you use in your daily life can no longer be applied in the domain of uh, of the infinitely small. He said, one particle is made of all other particles. One electron is made of all the other electrons. It means that in one electron, you can identify the existence of all other electrons. So, the practice of looking deeply into the nature of uh, an electron reveals to you the other aspect, the other dimension, which we call the implicate order that everything is inside of everything else. That is exactly the teaching of the Avatamsaka Sutra, a very beautiful sutra belonging to Mahayana Buddhism. The implicate order is equivalent to the ultimate dimension we talk about in Buddhism. And the explicate order is equivalent to the historical dimension. In the historical dimension, there is birth, death, beginning and end, this and that, <coughs> being and non-being, but uh, from the side of the ultimate dimension, 
There is no birth, no death, no beginning, no end, no this, no death, no being, no non-being. That is uh, the word interpenetration. Everything penetrates into everything else. And so you are, you contain all the cosmos within you. You can touch anything in the cosmos just by touching, touching yourself. You can touch uh, Jesus, you can touch the Buddha, you can touch the sun, the moon, the galaxies, just by touching yourself. The nature of interpenetration and the nature of interbeing. You already know about the word interbeing. Nothing can be by itself alone. Everything can uh, interease with everything else. To be really means to interbe. This is because that is. I am here because you are. The Father is there, that is why the Son is possible. The Son is there, it means the Father is there. And the Son contains the Father, the Father contains the Son. You cannot take the Father out of the Son, you cannot take the Son out of the Father. That is interbeing and interpenetration. And we have to train ourselves to look in that kind of light. Anaya is neither same nor different. Individual nor collective. Because our natural tendency is to ask, uh, this is my Anaya or this is yours. <laughs> because we know that my Anaya is made of yours. That is collective. The, na- the, the collective nature of Anaya is very obvious. The way you think, the way you learn, the way you hate, reflect the way of the collectivity and vice versa. That is why same or different uh, is, is another pair of opposites. And the truth transcends, always transcends pairs of opposites. So you cannot say alaya is same or different. There are one alaya or there are many alayas because one and many belong to another pair of opposites. I know it's very difficult to change the way of thinking, but this is the only way. If we really want to remove the suffering, the delusion, we have to learn. Alaya is neither same nor different, individual nor collective, same and different inter-are. Same and different are another pair of opposites. The same is made of the different, and the different may, is made of the same. And therefore, uh, it transcends also the notion of same and different. Collective and individual gives rise to each other.
if there is no collective, there is no individual, and vice versa. So we are able, we'll be able to touch reality without uh, using uh, patterns of our thinking, patterns of our uh, categories of uh, our mind. Because our mind is a kind of uh, sword. It has tendency to cut reality in several pieces. separated from each other. And reality cannot uh, be caught or be uh, grasped by that kind of discursive mind. The word is discursive mind. The mind of imagination, the mind of discrimination, the mind of discussion. And the 15th verse is the, ver- the last verse about Alaya. Before we go to the 16th verse uh, about Manas. When delusion is transformed, understanding is there. Because delusion is the base for all wrong perceptions, creating a lot of uh, uh, suffering. And with the practice of looking deeply into the nature of uh, interbeing, delusion can be transformed and prashna understanding is there. It is like when uh, the darkness is gone, the light uh, takes place. Star consciousness reveals its non-liability to afflictions. At this time, star consciousness uh, is completely purified and reveals its non-liability to afflictions. Afflictions are uh, mental formations such as uh, fear, uh, anger, hatred, discrimination, and so on. This sensitive word is a klesha, klesha. The Pali equivalent is klesha and become the great mirror wisdom. Now, after transformation, star consciousness will no longer bear the name star consciousness, but its new name is great mirror uh, wisdom because it reflects reality as it is, without distortion. I think we have time to finish all the verses tomorrow and after.